to bring to light the legalism and abuse in the independent fundamental Baptist movement and to encourage believers to grow in grace through the scriptures. Now, here's your host, John Hollyfield. And welcome everybody to the Four Freedom Podcast. I am your host, John Hollyfield, with your other host, Big James Safer. How you doing, James? I'm doing good, John. We are T-minus four days from the release of this episode to having a third child in the Safer residence. Yes, yes. Baby Hudson is coming. Mm-hmm. Hudson Taylor. And your mouth is full of peanuts, right? It now. is. You started before I could start. <laughs> <laughs> you jumped in too quick. I love it. I love it. I caught him off guard. Uh, but, uh, it's been a, it's been a, uh, crazy, crazy time. Our family just got over the stomach bug and, uh, that was not fun at all. And I find that the older that I get, it becomes even worse. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, and the more kids that you have, it gets worse because it has to go through everybody and every stinking kid. Um, I love my kids though. Don't, 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 don't take that the wrong way. Internet people. Um, but, uh, we are excited today. Uh, also, I, if I feel if I sound a little bit out yeah, of it um, or uh, a little bit uh, loopy today, it's because I didn't get a lot of sleep, James. Um, yeah. Well, I I James had counseled me. We we spent some time together last year in October, and he told me he said you need to check out and see if you got sleep apnea because I've been struggling with with being tired and stuff. And so I looked into it and. We went and saw a doctor and finally got around to actually uh, getting to that point of having the sleep study. So this is what they did. They sent it to me. They sent it to me in the mail, and I was suppo- I'm supposed to put this thing on my finger and then put this thing on my chest and then turn on this app on my phone and go to bed. So I did it last night. Mm. And it was – I don't think I slept one bit. It was it was awful. I, I feel like I'm so stinking tired today, John. When I did my sleep study, I'm going to send you a picture of it. It literally looked like I was um, a cyborg off of Star Trek. Do you remember the uh, when Data was hooked up to? Did you ever watch Star Trek, John? <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm, I'm explaining something that means absolutely nothing to you. Um, but I had ten or twelve cords coming out of my head. I had a two or three connected to my chest. And then I had this square box that was attached by Velcro around my arms and around my back. And then they had a couple of things on my hand. Did you sleep? And they said, all right, you're going to lay in this bed and you're going to go to sleep. And they glued them to my head. So they moved some stuff around and they glued it into my head. 
and it was going to monitor my brain pattern. And they said, you're going to sleep in this room. We've got a video camera set up and we're just going to watch you sleep and see how things go. Uh, I fell asleep. I took a picture of it because I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I'll send you the picture. Um, so maybe our audience can see that. Um, but it was a pretty fun, exciting time. And they said, uh, it was a pretty rough case for me. I stopped breathing like 142 times in two hours and they came in, gave me a mask, put it on. And from that day forward, I've worn a sleep pack mask and, but it changed my life almost as good as salvation, but, uh, not quite as good, but it was, it was close. Well, uh, my appointment is next week, so we'll see how this thing does next week. I hope I did it right. But, uh, you know, let's jump into, I'm really excited about today's episode and uh, the announcement. Everybody. So let's jump into this week's roundup uh, and, and break that down. So here it is, James. Here's the big announcement that most everybody heard because it was announced on the RFP. You want to go ahead and tell everybody? Drum roll is we are part of the RFP network now. Uh, John sat yes. down with uh, Nathan last week and had a lunch a couple weeks ago, and I wasn't unfortunately not able to be there. Uh, but we are joining the RFP network, and uh, we're going to start doing some stuff. We're shooting to be at one of the meetups, uh, either the one in Georgia in June or the one in Branson. We haven't decided. We're looking at our schedule right now, trying to figure out which one's going to work best for us but our plan is to be at one of those roundups or their meetups and uh, be able to interact with some people and have a good time yeah and um we i got the james said i got to sit down with nathan at champions in chattanooga and it was it was pretty good food but we had a good time talking and he had uh, given us you know reached out to us and asked if we wanted to do this we talked and we it was pretty much like (laughs) James didn't even think of it he's like absolutely and I was like okay I'm on board too it was a no-brainer for us and the reason why it was a no-brainer for us because and I told Nathan this I said there is no for freedom podcast if there's no recovering fundamentalist podcast I mean we are a direct result of what they were doing. And I don't, I don't, I don't feel ashamed saying that. I don't feel like any bad thing, you know, saying that. I mean, we, it just makes sense that we join up with the, with their network. And we're, we're thankful that they would even think that we're, we certainly think that we can be a little bit crazy sometimes. We are not the most professional podcast in the world. So for them to actually think that we are very, uh, very humbled and, and appreciate that. So we are excited about that and excited about things coming. And we will be uh, we'll be helping out with uh, the recovering fundamentalist uh, world and making announcements there. Of course, James mentioned the RFP meetups, and we are going to help push those as well, even if we cannot make it. And so, uh, so that's coming up. And uh, we, you know what? This is what I want to do. I want to. We normally go at this part is this part into our IFB sermon archive clip, yeah. and I want to do that. But I want to bring our guest on so he can he can you know help you know comment on this on this clip as well so uh we have a a special guest today with us uh brother kyle kinzer brother kyle kinzer what's up kyle that's great to be here an honor uh your guys podcast has been a blessing um and uh just appreciate the invite you know i hadn't seen james since college we met a few weeks ago and uh it's been about 10 years now and uh but just um uh 
the last few episodes, especially uh, of y'all's podcast, have been a huge blessing to me. The, the King James only ism that you guys did, man, that was one of the most in depth studies of it, and um, and it helped me. Like I, I told James this that I had already switched because of the readability of the King James and other translations. Just as a youth pastor, my kids were not understanding anything they were reading, so I was just wanting them to be able to understand God's word. And so I kind of always um, had some of that stuff from the 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 text part of it, you know, like the Greek text and some questions mm-hmm. about that from what we had heard. But, man, you guys dove right into that. And, uh, man, it was just a blessing. Gave me confidence in uh, the, the translation that I had used and stuff. So, man, I appreciate you guys. Such a, a privilege to be on today. Yeah, we're excited about uh, having Kyle on. We're going to get to his story. We want to hear his story today. And then uh, we also, uh, for next week's episode, we're going to talk about a very important subject that we've been wanting to get to. And we're going to dive into this one with Kyle as well on pastoral authority. But let's jump into the IFB archive clip. And this is from a message we've been playing clips from uh, for a few weeks now. And this is from a message that was preached at uh, the college that I went to, James went to, and Kyle went to. Although I, I, I would say that this message was preached, I think, before even Kyle and James had gotten there. But uh, it was preached by Tony Hudson. The title of the message was Three Creeps That Come In Unawares. And it was, this is his sort of, believe it or not, this is Tony Hudson's ripping on legalism. Here it is. But I'm not a legalist. I'm a separatist. You won't see me adding works to grace. It's not a works that any man should boast. But notice, I believe with all my heart, there was a crowd that came into this Galatians, these Judaizers. They said, you're going to have to act like we act, just like we act, or you're not part of us. Legalizers. The legalist. Several things about them. Number one, now you hear me, I've seen it. I'm preaching from experience now. I'm not preaching what I think. I'm preaching what I know. The, the progress of many local churches, the progress of many young preachers, the progress of great works like you have here, Brother Capese, many times have been stalled and stopped, and you were running well, but here comes some legalist. First thing they do, they intimidate you. Now, when you really get right with God, you won't like football. Sir, when you really get right with God, you'll quit playing that communist soccer. Soccer is for girls, football is for boys. Soccer is communistic from the, hey, it was, there's nothing American about soccer, sir. It's preaching time. There you go, guys. It's preaching time. (laughs) Get on that communist soccer now. My favorite part there. As he said, you're not going to intimidate me. Like, because you're talking about soccer, it's an intimidation. Or you're talking about a sport, you're intimidating someone. Uh, and, and then I love how he said that soccer equals preaching time. Uh, preaching on communism soccer is exactly what the Apostle Paul did. Um, he preached against communism and soccer and all that good stuff. And so that's exactly, <laughs> uh, that's where he got it. I, I, oh, man, I love how he threw in that verse. Not without works. I'm not going to boast. And so just like because you throw in that verse, it means you're preaching. Oh, man, it's great. Oh, what I loved about it, he was like, uh, well, we don't we don't try to add works to the salvation or after you're saved or we don't separate because of this and that. And like, 
I was just like, what about beards and Jeeps? <laughs> Come on. Oh. <laughs> I mean, clickbait. What in the world? It's like, uh, uh, just well, like I. His, well, I his, yeah, his message, his preaching is like straight up gaslighting from start to finish. Because he he defines you, this is an interesting thing in his clip, and I'm, I, I don't mean to get too technical with Tony Hudson's preaching, <laughs> but uh, he defines he's not a legalist because he doesn't add grace to works, but then he defines other people as legalists because you have to do things exactly how they do it, and then he rips you on a legalistic point of liking soccer that's not in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, that's like. Oh my goodness! That's that's gaslighting. I, uh, it, the words are escaping me at the present moment. But yeah, that was absolutely insane. His preaching often leaves me speechless. <laughs> <laughs> For that, well, reason. like we said, like we said, we are excited to have Kyle here with us today, and um, and Kyle's going to uh, talk a little bit about his testimony. So, Kyle, we're going to turn it over to you and basically let you just. Uh, Go forward and tell your story. If James or I have any questions, we'll, you know, uh, stop you on the way. But uh, go ahead, man. It's, it's good to have you. Tell us a little bit about, start off telling us a little bit about, uh, you know, who you are, your family, and where you are now. And then uh, go, go through and tell us how you got to where you're at. Yeah, well, um, my name is Kyle Kinzer, and I am in East Tennessee there in Bristol, Tennessee. We're helping out a church, New Victory Church in Johnson City, where I serve on the worship team. And uh, we just started the church um, last August is when we officially launched and just seeing God move. And uh, we love our pastor there, Tyler, um, Tyler Dalton and his wife, Rachel, and their family. They're just a few years older than us and just... Um, just love serving there with his passion for the gospel and just have an awesome team of people. But um, I'm married to Rachel Kinzer, Rachel Pearson Kinzer previously, but anyways, and I have five beautiful daughters and um, yes, that's a lot. I know. Um, yes, we have TV. Um, uh, what other question? Yes. Kyle, my hands are full. Are you planning on being a missionary Kyle? Um, I, I, man, if you're, if, uh, no, I'm not on the foreign mission because okay. <laughs> yeah. all missionaries have multiple children. So yeah, right, or lots of them. Where's uh, that? But yeah, we. I know my hands are full. Yes, I'm outnumbered. I mean, what are the other things that normal people say? Our our youngest two daughters are twins, and they have been crazy. Yeah, I mean that changed the ball game for us. But they're amazing. Um, we actually had one person, John and ask us if they had separate personalities <laughs> i was like uh no they're the exact same person believe it or not. oh my goodness but uh yeah they're awesome but they're the best part of me and um and god's blessed me so much with my family but yeah i was um but that's that's where we are right now and uh thankful for where god's brought us and but um, um, anyways, like, 
Well, Kyle, uh, let me ask you this as we get started. Okay. Um, what is your, at a new church plant, where did your life begin? Uh, tell us about your family. I think your dad's a pastor. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, just sort of tell us about how how you came to be where you're at right now today in, in your journey of through the independent fundamental Baptist world. Yeah, well, um, my uh, grandparents were saved and in the independent Baptist church on both my mom and my dad's side. Um, my parents met at the same Christian school that I attended uh, from an independent Baptist church. And um, my dad went to Hiles Anderson college as well as my mom. Uh, my mom actually went to one year at Liberty when it was still independent but uh, so my dad went to Hiles Anderson. He's a pastor in Princeton, West Virginia. And so um, I have uh, and that, that's what I was raised in, um, that type of environment. Um, my, I have my oldest sister's husband. She he is a pastor of an independent Baptist church in South Carolina. And my youngest, I have three sisters, um, two of them both are married to pastors in the Independent Baptist Church. So, um, and my grandparents, my mom's grandparents, um, they still go to the Independent Baptist Church. My whole family is still in the Independent Baptist on my, my immediate family. So um, I have a lot of experience in the Independent Baptist world and um uh, how I got out of it, I guess, to say is that um, um, my dad growing up, okay, now my dad, he would say amen maybe to some of the stuff, the, the crazy clips that you hear. He might amen them or laugh at them or giggle at them, but he would never preach those things from his pulpit. And um, growing up, my dad's favorite preacher was Adrian Rogers. And uh, that's what I was raised on is Adrian Rogers. And so he became my favorite preacher as well. And his preaching impacted my life. And so I just quit. Like my dad would say, man, Adrian's so good, but he's a Southern Baptist. <laughs> and, and but all this. And he's, he's great. You know, he, and he shouldn't use another translation here. But man, he's helped my life so much. That's what my dad would say. Well, so as I got older, went to Bible college and, you know, just started seeking truth on my own. I just quit making excuses for Agent Rogers. And I was like, man, he loves God. And I've never heard a pastor exude God's love from himself like Adrian Rogers. I was like, there's, he has, there's no scandal against him. His family loves him. His family's serving Jesus. And it's like, that's who I want to be. And so I, that's, I, I want to imitate that as a preacher. And, and so that's kind of where it first started. And, and um, so as I went to Bible college, um, I, um, am I talking too much? I feel like I'm talking too much. We good? Go, okay. Uh, <clears throat> so went to Bible college and, you know, it, the, the Bible college we went to, it was uh, definitely independent Baptist and still had some legalism, but it was even thought of as 
you know, there's a lot of circles that thought we were liberal even then. And yeah, when you when you came, Kyle, it was it was really on that 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 transition year almost where it started to change. Like my my way out, I think we had. I don't know if we established this on on air, but um, I I was graduating your first year, and so my way out, you started to see things change. And the year after I left, James would call me and say, "This is what we were doing down here." I was like, "Dude, why couldn't they have done that when I was there?" (laughs) And and so it was, and and it really started to change quickly. Yeah, it did. When Judson Mitchell departed from the scene, when um, David Maddox left, <clears throat> sort of those powerhouses were gone. Brother Eric was at the point where he had to define who the college was going to be um, for his side of it mm-hmm. because he became the the spokesman. He became the example. And, you know, we couldn't listen to contemporary music, but everyone knew that if you rode in the vehicle with brother Eric, he was listening to contemporary music in his car. <laughs> he was listening to Caleb. He was listening to things like that. And so all of a sudden brother Eric at this point was saying, okay, well, who am I? And I've got to define the college. So we were during that transition. I was yeah. there two more years Kyle was on the scene at that point, and so we went two years there at college. Um, so there was a, a definitely a huge shift in the college. So, so you want to know something that's funny? Like in college, in the rule books, it like that we all had to sign. Like um, we weren't allowed to listen to contemporary music, right? And so, James, my junior year, your senior year, we're both floor leaders, so we're we're the tattletales of the college. Yeah, so it's like, me more me than you. Yeah, I didn't tattle at yeah, all. You, you I were just the let cool, things go. Yeah, you were the cool guy. <laughs> and so, because I actually did what they asked me to do, I was hated. And but I didn't care because me and Rachel were fixing to get engaged, and so that was <laughs> all I cared about. But. Anyway, so I actually wrote people up for listening to contemporary music and uh, they were fined for it. And I feel like it's funny. Like, I don't feel bad because they signed the book saying they wouldn't. I mean, that was the rule. But at the same time, now I'm in a worship band (laughs) on Sunday morning. You know what really gets my fire going is when I was just back at at college. I'm talking to some of the guys there. I was back there for a teen revolution. And uh, they have TVs in their dorm rooms. Oh, my goodness. And they watch movies in their dorm rooms. And I had a $50 fine. For watching movies in my dorm room because of my wonderful buddy, um, Mr. Whitehouse, Brady Whitehouse. I'm, I'm name dropping this episode. If yeah, you know, I noticed listen. that. I was like, I don't think we're doing that. Um, he, he wrote this me out for it. confession time with Kyle Kinzer and James Seyfried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, but it was crazy to see how far they've come and, and how different they are now than when we were there. And that was 10 years ago for yeah. me, eight years ago for you. So, Well, John Hammy didn't he get, uh, he got expelled. For having a DVD business in his dorm room. He was renting DVDs out from his dorm room. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that's good stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's it's incredible. But what the whole point of getting it on that is that, like, our Bible college wasn't even considered, like, it, it wasn't – like, we were we would sing contemporary songs to uh, modern – to the piano, right? So – um, 
I, that's always the feel like I never, like I always thought it was crazy. Like there was no way I was going to go to a camp that made me wear pants to swim in a pool. I mean, I was like, that's ridiculous or pants in a 90 degree weather. I was going to wear shorts to, and my, and that's the way my parents were. So they were, you know, it, I, I didn't have it as bad. And, and my family, um, I have a, a great heritage. I'm not, um, I don't want to, I hope that my family listens to this podcast. So, um, but, but me leaving the IFB has been the greatest source of contention in my family between me and my parents and my sisters. And so, but, um, but what God really used to help me get out of the IFB was some of my extended family. Um, I remember, um, so my, my, my parent, my, my mom's parents, my grandparents on my mom's side, um, they still go to the church that had the, the Christian school that I was raised in. And, <clears throat> but they are the most loving people I've ever, and they truly show Christ's love. And, um, they don't, um, the gospel is what they center their 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 loved ones see so they're my my cousins on that side they were not raised in the independent baptist um so growing up you know i was and i they would not, they would bring like uh their other bible versions to our family gatherings and stuff and i'd be like no y'all need to use the king james and you know this is what you need to use and so grow after bible college growing up i was real close to one one cousin in particular that lives in boone and um, we're very close to this day, but he, at his wedding, all right, he, um, he just surrendered to go, he went to App State, he just surrendered to go to seminary in Denver, Colorado. He's going to move his whole life and go to Denver, Colorado. Um, but at his wedding, it was the most spiritual thing I'd ever seen, like spiritual, one of the most spiritual events I'd ever been to. They didn't use the King James Version. There was contemporary music being played while they were walking down the aisle. During their wedding ceremony, they washed each other's feet, okay? And at the reception, there was dancing. And I was like, all right, this honored God. There's no way I can say that this didn't honor God. And so I I asked God then after that, I said, Lord, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop condemning what you don't condemn and um and really god used that instance in my life and then um you know after my first ministry experience um god led me to a a church that it was an independent it's an independent baptist church in bristol tennessee um uh, my first experience was it was kind of like uh what you would expect from the independent Baptist, like the pastor, like one of the, the pastoral authority thing that we're going to get on. Like he was pretty much the say so. And, um, it just, I came into his office one day and he said it, it wasn't a good fit between me and him. And it would be best if I resigned. And he talked to the deacons the night before and, and, uh, that. How long had you been there, Kyle? One year. Okay, so you'd been there a year, and it, yeah. that, that's when he sort of figured out that you weren't of the same. 
you guys were on the same page. Yeah. That's what, and, um, anyways, it, so that's, that was hard for me and Rachel, you know, and we'd been taught in Bible college, you know, that our whole life is defined by our ministry and now I'm getting let go. And, but I have to, for, I have to resign. So, um, but I mean, we were loved by the church and we were, uh, we still have friends from that church to this day. And, um, it was just hard because, you know, he, he said it would be best if we didn't come back on that Sunday and tell everybody. And so our teenagers that we were youth pastor, they're wondering why we didn't come. And so why we're just up and leaving them and just the pastor just gets up and reads my resignation. That's all he did. Like the very, the next service, he didn't say anything. <laughs> he just read my resignation and everybody in the wow. church is, is just wondering what's going on. So, so you didn't read your resignation. No, no. And uh, he gave me three months severance pay. And he said, if you start any trouble, the money stops. So it's like, uh, I, I was afraid to say what happened because we, we didn't leave because we wanted to. Um, but, uh, and it's it called controlling the narrative. Yeah. Well, I was told me and James talked about this at, when we met a few weeks ago for lunch, uh, I should have called his bluff and made him fire me. <laughs> so he'd have to ex- explain to the church why he was letting me go. And, but, uh, I wasn't at the financial point to be able to do that. Yep. So when, uh, when all this happened, did you counsel with anyone? I know brother Eric counseled you to go here. I'm sure your dad was probably one that you talked to. Yeah. Uh, what What was their advice when all this was going on? What did they say if you haven't talked to anybody during this time? Yeah, like uh, I was just going to go back to my dad's church and regroup. You know, that's what I was planning on doing. I just leave Bristol, and and um, so that's everybody counseled me. I, I told them what was going on, and you know, and they just uh, you know, for I was a little bit embarrassed. You know, because it didn't work out. I mean, I was not a little bit. I was a lot of bit embarrassed. So you didn't go on Facebook and say, I just got fired. No. You, you're going to no, regress I mean, a little bit. I yeah. wanted that money. And uh, <laughs> and so I didn't take a chance on on losing that. And so I was just going to go back to West Virginia and regroup with my family. Well, did you guys have kids at this time? We had, yes, one. And um, we had Chloe. And then we were, we just found out. Like we were expecting Carly at that time, but we didn't know it. So, um, yeah. So you have that pressure of, I've got a family to feed and yeah. I've got to take care of it. And so it's like, you know what? You're in survival mode instead of thinking critically about what's the, you know, what's really going on right here. Yeah. So, um, that, uh, that was crazy. And, I mean, that was a really hard time in our life. And, but man, just looking through it, you know, I've, I've been listening a lot. I, I listen to the Bible a lot and that's um, helped me to, when you can listen to large sums of the Bible at, um, at, you know, at, at a one period of time, you kind of get an overview of the thought of the books and stuff. But I've been listening recently to the, the Kings and the Chronicles. And it just says several times, like, but the thing was of the Lord and they did not know that it was of the Lord. And, but so God, that whole instance was definitely of the Lord and God used that to get me to charity Baptist in Blountville. Um, 
And there at that church, uh, they were an independent church, but this is kind of even at that time more unaffiliated. Um, and see, the, the youth group would play like Chris Tomlin songs up on the screen and stuff during their while the um, during the youth services and things. And that was like crazy to me. I'm like, what in the world? But the, the pastor had called me and said, hey, I got your name from. Um, from somebody that that knew about you at New Grace, and we we needed the youth pastor, and you might be interested in us. We might be interested in you. Won't you come? So, uh, came and visited the church, and the pastor asked me to preach um, a few Sundays after that. And I, I remember this; this was incredible. And like the Sunday night, I I preached. A teenage girl walks down the aisle and and makes a profession of faith, and you know, I mean, that just doesn't have, that, that didn't happen every service at that church. And it was, you know, so that kind of started everything there at charity. And, and so I started, I, I would, I counseled with my dad and with others. I said, Hey, that they play contemporary music at the, at the, with the youth, should I continue to go there? And, you know, everybody said, Hey, I would even, uh, a prominent IFB pastor in that area counseled me not like, uh, I don't, since we're name dropping. All right. Uh, Dewey Williams. I don't know if you know Dewey Williams, but he was brother. Uh, he was Justin Schaefer's pastor that we went to school with, but he counseled me to go. And, um, so I said, all right. And I went and the, uh, my goal was, was like, I'm going to show them, that this contemporary worldly modern music i'm gonna show them that it's not of god and i'm gonna i'm gonna bring them back into the old past straight straighten them out (laughs) Uh, so the first few months i'm there man they had a youth night and this and they invited this worship band to come up Mm. and um it just happened to be on the same week that my wife's folks from florida my wife's mom from florida had decided to visit us and they're from the ruckman camp and uh tim Fallor's church they were actually on staff at tim Fallor's church and uh so they're out of that branch but man that that worship band gets up and they i mean they don't hold anything back and um and i was like oh my goodness and i'm just my wife left the service crying with her mother and we're like, what's going on here? And so uh, I talked to the pastor about it and I was like, I, I just don't, I just don't know about that, man. And he's like, well, it, there's a lot of people that were blessed by it. <laughs> like, okay. So I, I mean, at this time I'm having a lot of questions, you know, I, I don't know, but, but God really used that time in my life. Cause I got to see people that truly and genuinely loved Jesus who were worshiping to that style and and the t- see how the teenagers reacted and how God was using that style of music and as I was listening to the lyrics and stuff it's it's in, it was incredible how I mean just so many of them songs that we were taught they like take the blood out they take all all doctrine out and I just got, I just started listening to it I just said Man, no, they don't. I mean, there's a lot. Some do. You know, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that, 
you know, so all contemporary music is solid doctrinally because it's, it's just not the case, but there's a lot of good artists out there that love the Lord and have solid, solid lyrics and doctrinal lyrics. And so, um, so I, I had to come to the point if, am I going to, am I going to tell these people like the, the youth leaders that were there before me that were still serving, not getting paid. They were just there because they loved teenagers and loved Jesus and they were helping in the youth group. Am I going to seriously have a conversation with them and sit down and tell them you're wrong and I'm right? Am I going to be able to show them from the Bible how they're wrong in their music and that how their style and preference isn't right and how that mine is? And, and I could never bring myself to do that. And because uh, they're a lot, they had a lifestyle that pleased Jesus and that was gospel centered. And, and so that God really used that in my life. And so I just decided if God didn't make a big deal about it, I wasn't going to make a big deal about it. That's good. And in John chapter 15, the, as far as a passage of scripture, this is the, the passage of scripture that God used in my life. And it was in the King James too, to, mm-hmm to take me away from the IFB separatism is that uh, Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by the love that you have for each other. And I said, there's, there's no music clause in that. They'll know you're my disciples. If you love them, if they have the right music or if mm-hmm. they love you, if they have the right Bible version or that was just, that was God's standard of separation. If, if you love, if they love me, then you love them. And so that I started living my life by that. And, um, and God just, just took me away from that IFB separatist ideology. And so as I would start asking questions to my family and to others that I knew, it started, they're like, oh yeah, I mean, you, you're supposed to love them, but you don't have to be with them. And I said, well, dad, if I told you, I loved you and I never talked to you and I never hung out with you, would you really think that I loved you? Is that true love? And, uh, and of course they, they don't have any, there's not much of an answer to that. So as yeah. I, as I let that be my, be my standard, I, the um, uh, God just, just led me away from that independent Baptist movement. Baptist movement. Well, that, well, that's a great, that's a great passage of scripture to use. You, you will know, they will know you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. And, and you know what it doesn't say is that they'll know you're my disciples by the love you have for the world or the love that you'll have for the lost. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't hear what I'm not saying. That's what I tell our church all the time. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we are not instructed in Scripture to love the lost or to love you know those that are out in the world. But the qualification of how he says that you'll know that they will know that you are my disciples is how you love each other. And think about what the IFB and the separatist Baptist movement has been so characterized by is vitriol yeah. towards the world and vitriol towards each other. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's sad. Like the home in Princeton, West Virginia, where I'm from, like I've, I've seen churches come together about maybe one time over one thing. And that was, uh, the camp meeting that Craig Edwards was preaching at, uh, he came and just started, he just, he just started reading the preface 
of the King James and started saying, Hey, uh, he's like Craig Edwards has come out to where he has a biblical view of translation and just started questioning these things. And literally I've never seen more churches in the Southern West Virginia area come together more than to come against Craig Edwards. They mm-hmm. came together to be against somebody Yeah, uh, that was preaching the gospel. Lots of love, lots of love there. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to do a whole whole episode here soon me and john talked about about music and the standards of music and uh, i want to circle back just a little bit you mentioned you know how the worship music and we heard it preached we heard how they if you played these songs backwards how you would hear satan's voice in the in these songs and all of a sudden you're like well is that true is it not uh true story my wife went to a cast and crown concert oh, while goodness. we were in college and it almost ended our relationship <laughs> because I was told that they were wicked and they were of the devil and we couldn't be. And I literally, we had an argument but, and we almost <laughs> broke up because she went to a wicked oh, casting crowns concert. And to this day, she'll tell people that she'll say, James is going to, David Crowder, Rain yeah. Collective. You know, we're taking our teenagers to Extreme Winter, and I'm, I'm one of the first ones that are up loving and praising Jesus with our teenagers. <laughs> and she'll say, every once in a while, she'll stop and she'll say, you know, you almost broke up with me because oh, I was Lord. in the Casting Crowns. Oh, <laughs> and, but that's where we were at. We were indoctrinated in this. And when we think about the love that Jesus has for us and the love that we should show to each other, but yet one little issue yeah. in Alexander County. We are the smallest County in North Carolina. I noticed driving okay. in. Yes. Yeah. You probably <laughs> noticed that. Okay. We are the only County in North Carolina that has two associations in our County wow. for Southern Baptists. We have a Alexander Baptist association and we have a Rocky face association. Wow. You know what their division is? What's that? The King James Bible. Okay. <laughs> Our Rocky Face Association is King James only. Okay. The association that I'm in in Southern Baptist for the Alexander Baptist Association, we're not King James only. Oh, wow. And so years ago, there was this big divide, and they said, well, we can't associate with that crowd because they don't use the King James. What do they do at the state convention? So we all go, but we're represented <laughs> by two different associations. That's hilarious. And so that even in the in the area and the realm I'm in now, in the Southern Baptist, we still see this division. We still see this and they won't come together. If we have a prayer meeting downtown that's put on by the Alexander Association, they won't come to pray because it's not put on by theirs. The first time that I've been here that we saw these two associations come together was when we had our flood back in October, November, and there were 50 people misplaced Mm -hmm. uh, and didn't have a home. And our churches came together. And it was the first time since I've been here in three and a half years that I saw our churches from a vast variety. We saw Methodist, Lutheran, we saw Baptist, we saw our Rocky Face, our Alexander. They all came together because it was helping people. And I was so encouraged yeah, awesome. because we weren't against anything. We yeah. were just trying to help people. And that's what the world needs to see. Yeah. And so many times we're against those things. Man, it's it's so sad because we are laughed at in our society because if and and this has been hard on my life. Like uh, I don't know if you guys are friends with Dustin Breland on Facebook, but recently he put a quote on Facebook, like live a life that demands a gospel explanation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, man, that's been tearing my life all to pieces. And it's like, but that's what the world, like we don't live like we believe the gospel. 
Because if we did, we would love people because they love Jesus. Mm -hmm. But when when you make other divisions because of of non-biblical things or extra, or maybe not even your view, maybe you're interpreting one passion of script portion of scripture differently. Okay. But our, the standard for loving each other and for coming together and for fellowship is in John chapter 15 is loving each other because they love Jesus. So, um, but so Kyle, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I thought you're, um, so did you, would you say it was there at that at that church that um so you're not at that that the church that you were speaking of you're not at that church right now right no i'm not and i'm just i just like to hop churches that's what i've been <laughs> accused of anyway but no I, while uh, while i was there um a pastor that had gotten saved from that church charity that was affiliated with charity he um he he got cancer, like a crazy cancer behind his nose. They had to literally remove his face and take the cancer out. Um, uh, and but anyways, while he was um, battling cancer, he's before he knew, like two months before he found out he had cancer, he started a church in Johnson City. And so, um. When he got cancer, he was needing people to during treatments and stuff. He was needing people to fill in the pulpit. So um, I would go preach for him while they were meeting there at the Holiday Inn in Johnson City. And so the, the Lord just kind of knit my heart to that church um, and their heart to mine. And and me and the pastor really I clicked and and God cleared him of his cancer, healed him completely. And he has become a really dear friend of mine. And uh, we served there at that church for three years. And we got we went from the Holiday Inn to we got established in a building um, to where before COVID we were averaging well over a hundred people every Sunday, every service. So that was incredible to see that. And um, so that's where I'm at. And it was funny at that church, uh, Abounding Grace um, in Jonesboro. At that church, I started leading worship with the same guy who had come to charity that first time and uh, with that worship band and who I was like, Oh my goodness, this is horrible. You know, actually he, he started leading worship with me at, uh, at abounding grace and he became one of my closest friends and he still, I mean, he, he's just, it's amazing how God did that. And it's funny how that all worked, you know, just a big full circle, but, but that is awesome. That is, that is, that is amazing how God, brings you and and you know you're you we're all still growing we're all still yeah. you know we're all still in some ways too healing and yes. and so it's you know hearing your story is is just i don't know it's 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 refreshing it's it's like man god's still doing stuff it's it's always great to hear testimonies that god's still working in, in people's lives and families and churches because your story isn't just it, it's it's kyle's story but it's also uh, the Kinzer family story. It's also the story of, of how God has moved in different people's lives in these churches that you've ministered to as well. Um, man, it's just been incredible seeing God move and, and move us. And, and so the church we're at now, um, I just, uh, 
it was during COVID, right? And they they took a step of faith to try to establish a second campus um, during COVID, during the pandemic. And I just contacted the pastor to see if they were uh, needing any help or um, with that. And so um, that God just moved us over there, and um, still have great connections and fellowship with with Abounding Grace and Pastor Kevin Morris there and. And so that's uh, that. That's just kind of how how God moved us. And um, but it, it's crazy because during COVID, you know, most most churches still are just now opening them up, opening up children's services. And and with five kids, it's either me in the service or Rachel in the service. Without you know, if we're if we're not going to do children's ministry, but that church thankfully was had opened. They just opened up their children's ministry and. There was never a, uh, you know, we never had to worry about COVID. There was never a spread of COVID or no, nothing like that while we were there and since we've been there. And so that's just, it was great for our kids and for us and just what, what God had for us during this time. So, yeah. And so right now you, you're not on staff, you're just volunteer leading worship and uh, you own your own business. Is that correct? Yeah, I do. I I pressure wash, uh, pressure washing business that God's blessed and, able to work with uh, some family members, uh, one of my cousins up in West Virginia. And uh, God's give us uh, six employees and um, just, just bless that. And, and uh, that, it's just been incredible to see God do that. My heart's still for the ministry. You know, I'm praying yeah. that God would give me a church to pastor one day. And, uh, but it's, it's not been his time. And just, just so, uh, I'm just thankful for him, Matt. And it's been hard for me. I don't know about you guys just being raised in the IFB, but like, um, you know, you're kind of defined by your ministry. You are. And yeah. so like I, when I meet somebody that, you know, is in the independent Baptist or one of my friends from college, like I feel like I have to tell them I have some type of position mm-hmm. or I've, I'm a failure, you know? Uh, but uh, God's working me through that. And, just realizing that all I need to do is just be, do what I can for him, where he's placed me and um, keep my heart open, keep serving and keep spreading the gospel and keep studying his word. And, and he will, he'll take me where he wants me to be. I'm confident in that. But uh, yeah, you know, and so many times we're defined, even when pastors get together, we talk about our budget and our buildings and our attendance and, (laughs) and that, that sort of, well, we're, you know, we're up in this and, and that's how it defines us. And and personally, not even on a church level, it's that same thing. We, you know, where are you at now? How's God using you? Are you still a youth pastor? You know, you know, we hear the story of brother Eric and and their family and Johnny Hunt, who I love listening to and, and how God used them and they didn't have to wait. They just went into their next stage of ministry. There was, there was no patiently waiting. Right. And we sometimes hear those stories and that's the feeling that we get is I shouldn't have to wait. If I'm waiting, there's something wrong. Yeah. And God still allows us to be like a David that had to wait in the mountains and, and he hadn't yet fully been where he wanted to, wanted to be at. And we can take those stories and it can be an encouraging to us uh, to yeah. know that we can be patiently waiting. Yeah. Uh, you know, I went through three years of that, uh, two years of that when we first moved back to North Carolina of just 
waiting on the Lord. Yeah. And if we wasn't where we wanted to be or where I wanted to be, man, I wanted to be in the ministry so bad. I, I hated, yeah. I hated when people said, Hey, what are you doing now? When I would see someone from college <laughs> while well, I'm, I'm working at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Ah, it was so, the Lord's chicken. it was so humbling <laughs> because then I went to Bible college, my desires to be preaching and being in the ministry somewhere. And because I didn't have that identity yeah. in the ministry, I felt just like a loser. I felt yeah, just, man. but I understood, man, I was making a difference there. And mm-hmm. I still talked to those people that I worked with and some of the teenagers that we, that I did work with and I invested in, you know, even at that, at that place of business, God still used us. I could have not had a, I could have had a bad attitude mm-hmm. and, and those people that I was with would have seen a pastor yeah. who had a bad attitude but I had a good attitude in that time, and I was able to reach it and really invest some time, even in that small ministry there is yeah. what it was. So, And, John, I don't know about you, but I think that one of the biggest problems with the abuse of pastoral authority is that these pastors, they never get outside their circle. Like, they never have those friendships like, like James was talking about, like at Chick-fil-A or, or uh, just people that are not in the church. And so they they never get to have that influence on others who who do not think exactly like they do, who are not directly influenced by them. Yeah, no, I, I, I well, it, it's 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 like I was I was saying earlier. It's an empire. It, you build an empire, and and you know, interesting enough, we're sitting here talking like, and and I I totally agree with the rest the other two. Uh, you know, you, you two guys, because, you know, I struggled the same way with finding my identity and whether I was in full-time ministry and working at a car lot for, you know, st- I still am for the past seven years, uh, part-time, you know, vocationally. And, you know, I did have the bad attitude. I was, I mean, there were days where I was just like, what the heck am I doing wasting my life here? And, you know, not recognizing God's sovereignty over where he has placed me in this life situation and missing opportunities to be his light to other people while having that bad attitude in, in, in that work day. And right there, guys, is where we're going to cut off part one today. We are going to be back with you next week with uh, Kyle Kinzer. We're going to be talking about this uh, crucial subject of pastoral authority, or as James likes to call it, pastoral superiority. And uh, we're excited about the material that we have for you next week. Uh, Thank you for uh, listening to the podcast, liking and subscribing, sharing it on social media. And until next week, to God, not your identity in the ministry, be the glory.